Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. Right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Heavy Live. Uh, heavy on Lakers and heavy on Bulls tonight. We've got a packed show for you. Uh, Scoop B will be alongside in a minute. And Brian Mazik joins us making his um, heavy basketball live debut. Some of you may have seen him um, talking Patriots football. Um, but Brian in his slick Bulls hat, um, a longtime Chicago sports fan and NBA junkie. So Brian uh, will be alongside. Uh, special guest tonight will be Craig Hodges. Craig, a two-time champion with the Bulls um, and also a two-time champion assistant coach with the Lakers, um, among uh, among many other interesting attributes. Three-time, I should I should get his, his full resume, three-time three-point champion uh, as well. Um, so Craig will be alongside and uh, Scoop, as we said, will be alongside shortly. Um, but Brian Mazik leads us off. Brian, how you doing, man? I am fantastic. I am fantastic. Glad to be here. Thank you. And and we should set the scene in terms of everything that's going on tonight, which is plentiful. Um, full slate of NBA playoffs. Um, Daniel Artest back in the comments is a big fan of Unique Musique, among the many, many fans of Unique Musique. So um, I appreciate we'll, it. Daniel, uh, we'll see if we'll Daniel, we'll, we'll see if we can weave you into some of this conversation. I think, must, I think it'll be must, a long night. He must be, he must be a um uh, he must be a 2K player. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, yeah um so bucks magic going on now night number four of the democratic national convention joe biden's acceptance speech later on we'll see if we can get biden on on the show after he delivers his speech from uh from wilmington um yeah. short yeah. of short of that we will have scoop I'll, I'll, te- I'll text him and see yeah get him on get him on um <laughs> i'm sure he'll have no other media obligations and nothing else to do late tonight so he can hop on with us Me and um, go back yeah, there you go. So um, <laughs> we um, we on kidding aside in politics, uh, one thing we'll talk to Craig Hodges about is his activism um, in in his NBA career, particularly late in his career um, and, a, and a visit that he made to the White House um, that that he that he felt got him in, along with some other activism kind of blackballed from the league. Um, 
Craig Hodges filed a lawsuit against the NBA owners four years after um, his last game in 1996, basically alleging that he was blackballed um, as punishment for political activism. So um, interesting time. Uh, we'll ask Craig about that. Um, two things on the Bulls front that are, are pretty interesting. Um, one is the Bulls coaching search, which we'll get into. And the other is that the NBA draft lottery will happen live during this show. Um, so the Bulls, um, Brian can can size up their chances. Not super likely that they're looking um, at like a top two or three pick, uh, but the Bulls are in the lottery, and yeah. we will find out uh, find out where they are tonight. Um, Brian, let's let's lead off with this. You told me off air you have some thoughts on what the Bulls need to do to get things cranking here. If, if you're the um, if you're in charge of the Bulls, how 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 does the uh, how's the plan unfold? Well, essentially, it's the same plan as there. It's always been uh, in Chicago. Many of the fans here, you scream and they cry and they holler about, oh, we want this team. We want the team to get this uh, free agent. We want them to recruit this guy. We want them to pay this guy. We want them to pay that guy. We've learned over the years that the Bulls are not a free agent destination. And the sooner the franchise and even its fans start to realize and accept that the the sooner you can move in the direction of how you actually have to build a team just look just case in point look at the times over the past 35 40 years that the bulls have been good competitive or dare i say championship caliber or championship contending teams you look at the michael jordan era the team if you look at the derrick rose era the team has always always built through the draft look at the nucleus michael jordan drafted number two overall in the 84 draft scotty pippen a draft day trade for odin polonies in the 1987 draft horace grant drafted uh and usually there's a supplemental trade that's there that adds to that nucleus but n almost never never is there a major free agent acquisition that contributes to the Bulls being a championship caliber team. It just doesn't happen. Um, generally, we strike out more going after the major free agents, which then ends up setting us somewhat back because they either are left with whatever they have because people told them no, or they make knee-jerk reactions and they sign guys, uh, the, 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 the highest level guy who would accept it. So back when we were recruiting Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James. All three said no. Amari Stoudemire had already agreed to sign with the Knicks. The Bulls then go to the next guy, which is Carlos Boozer, who was a decent player for us, but clearly not on the level of what they were after. So I just I, – I mean third, I'm sorry, third overall. Yeah, you forget, I don't know if you forgot about uh, it. Sam Bowie. I can't forget about Sam Bowie. It's easy to forget about Sam Bowie. Number one, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Number two, Sam Bowie. And then uh, Mike uh, goes number three in, 80, uh, in 84. So it's just – this is how the Bulls build. The Bulls build in the draft when they are good. And um, so that, to me, is why days like today – are bigger than what generally July 1st brings. July 1st is usually when free agency opens. Today, days like today are bigger than all of those free agent days because we have traditionally proven ourselves to be the type of franchise that does not draw, doesn't consistently draw free agents. So let me let me push you on the free agent part a little bit, Brian. And here's here's how I'll do that. I buy that the their history there is horrible, at least over the past couple of decades. 
My question is, why does it have to be, especially with new management, you're going to have a new head coach. The NBA is a different league than it was 10 years ago or probably even five years ago. So like, of course they should draft well, but why does it have to be the case going forward that they're going to strike out in free agency? Because it takes, it takes a lot of time and uh, a history of essentially what should have happened, right? What should have happened after the, the Jordan led dynasty, the bulls should have established themselves as that sort of a cornerstone type of a franchise that people just wanted to go to. But unfortunately, because Mike and Scotty did not get along with management and ownership. And that was this nasty taste in the mouths of players. And because of the influence and the reach of Mike and Scotty, it, when they left, it didn't part in a way where it left the franchise in a good position to continue to draw free agents, to continue to get people in who would be able to continue that legacy. And so thus they're literally like starting the bulls were the bulls were like a joke franchise for like the first five to six years after the 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 second three-peat was broken up and that shouldn't have been the case there should have been a there should have been something there left at some level of a foundation you don't have your head coach anymore the only people that were remaining with that team after the, the the dynasty broke up was people that most of the franchise people in the league did not even associate with the Chicago Bulls and if they did it wasn't people who had favorable images throughout the league so um because of that it takes time to rebuild that sort of a thing and I think they may be moving in the right direction with new management now but it's going to take some time and some success stories before they can establish that all right. So uh, that certainly a big night on that front. Uh, the um, guy whose name is on this show is in the green room. So we'll pop him in here. He is Scoop B. Scoop B Robinson. Scoop joins us. Good evening, Scoop. What's going on, sir? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can I can hear you, hear you loud and clear. Can you see me? I, yeah, we, can. we can see you and hear you loud and clear. Give me one second. All right. Um, can you hear me now? Here, I'll you. Yes, yes, we sir. can hear you. Okay, cool. What's going on, everybody? How you doing, man? I'm doing I'm good, brother. Get, I'm trying to get you to stop stealing my hairstyles. <laughs> see what happened was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Scoop, uh, first couple minutes, um, we we mentioned we'll have Craig Hodges in here. Um, Brian, uh, with the rundown on the Bulls building through the draft. But let me ask you this, though, Brian. They should build through the draft. We we get that. Um, what are, what are, Given you'll have a lottery pick and you don't know how high, what do you view as the Bulls? What's on your wish list heading into the draft? Well, I mean – if you follow the Bulls history, you know that they've had uh, some time periods where they have overachieved beyond what the odds would have. I mean, I believe I think when Bulls got number one pick for Derrick Rose, that they had one of the lowest percentages, uh, you know, possible to get the number one pick. And that happened. So the lottery is about wishing, you know what I mean? So but in reality, I mean, as a as a person has followed this franchise for literally, I want to tell my age for like 
40 years, literally, uh, you just kind of get used to saying, what's the middle of the road? That's probably what will what, happen. So that's probably around number seven overall. Uh, and at number seven, you obviously we know you can always find guys, you know, who are are, are solid contributors or, or even stars. Um, there, I've seen some mock drafts that have James Wiseman going at number seven, who, from a pure athletic standpoint, might be the highest potential guy, or you know, on on the entire board. So you you just never know. Um, you you never know. You, you never know what ends up happening. Um, sometimes you have to ask yourself, are you going to draft for need or are you going to draft the best player available and kind of figure things out? Uh, the further away from number one that you get, the more you kind of lean towards the ladder and saying, we're just going to go for the best player available, especially if you're a non-playoff team right now, right? When you're a non-playoff team, you ha- you clearly have multiple holes uh, or you have multiple positions where you can upgrade. So to say, oh, well, we just need a point guard or oh, we just need a shooting guard. No, nah, there's there's a chance you could, you know, you, you could upgrade it at whatever position or maybe you get a guy who then allows you to make somebody else expendable. So um, I love Tyrese Halliburton. Love him. Love I, I just that guy. I don't know. It's something about his game from his length uh, and his his ability to play passing lanes and create. Uh, havoc uh, on on the defensive end. Uh, I, I know his bring up and his release is a little slow, especially for the NBA game. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I I do overall like his game. Uh, I like that dog that he plays with, which is something that is. I think you're seeing the value in 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 a guy that has that level of a competitive spirit when you're looking at guys like John Morant and the way they approach the game. But I, I really like Tyrese Halliburton. I'd be thrilled if they walked out of the draft with him. So I, I dropped in the comments in the, um, the draft lottery odds on, and you're exactly right on the bulls. Um, average pick according to uh, ESPN is 6.2 number one pick 7.5%. I mean, crazier things have happened. Um, bigger long shots have happened. So the the odds the odds for the top pick are the Warriors, the Cavs, Warriors, Cavs, T Wolves, Hawks, Pistons, Knicks, Bulls, Hornets, Wizards, Suns, Spurs, Kings, Pelicans, Grizzlies. So the Warriors number one, which is so unfair to everybody else in the sport. Where you win five straight Western Conference championships, you take one year off from that, and then you're back to having potentially the number one pick, um, which is a little a little cruel, but. That's the way the system works. Reminds me, I mean, stating the obvious, but reminds me of um, the Spurs with I was just thinking Duncan, that. with Robinson being injured. Mm-hmm. They get the number one pick with with Duncan, yeah, and they get back to it. Um, so that's that. But it'd be it'd be good. It'd be a good. Um, it'd be make for good content if the bull, if the Bulls shock the world here and get the number one pick in the middle of this show. I think um, it'll be um, if if give the it Bulls, to talk about if the Bulls. Uh, go get the number one pick during the middle of the show. I'm going to do the rest of it shirtless. All right. Okay. There you, there you go. <laughs> Prime Zeke shirtless um, in the in hour number two or hour number three. Um, after after that happens. Um. All right, Scoop. What's up? What's on your mind tonight, basketball wise? We have playoffs all day. Looks like the Bucks will not fall into an O2 hole. We have. The lottery. We have the Lakers trying to avoid going into an O2 hole. Um, 
We can talk some politics if you want. We can go wherever you want. What's 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 on your mind tonight on this uh, busy Thursday night? Might be a little. I think he's frozen. Yeah, Scoop's got a Scoop is uncharacteristically um, freeze freeze prone uh, today. So Scoop, get get back to us when you're un, when you're unfrozen. Um, what are your uh, going back to the playoffs for a second, Brian? What are your what are your big storylines today? Uh, we just had Demons Spiriels uh, join the chat, uh, and now he's a a Chicago guy. Uh, both uh, myself and Brandon have been on uh, on on uh, their Regal Radio show, uh, so D and Davis show, which is an awesome Chicago based sports radio show. So what's up to Demons? Uh, but uh, as far as the playoffs, um, my biggest theme right now that I see is that there really is no such thing as home field event home court advantage at this point you know uh it's it, it, it you're you're looking at a at a at a dynamic right now in the nba playoffs that is just i know it's foreign for a lot of guys i've heard a lot of them reference that it feels like an aau game and i can understand that because anybody has ever played aau then you know that when you go play home court advantage is essentially the most popular team that can bring the most people into the gym at that time, but it's not like a location sort of a thing. Uh, and the NBA doesn't even have that right now. You know, they have, you know, some guys in the, whoever, you know, sits in from another team or whatever. And, you know, it's your bench and their bench. And you, you got so many, so many variables involved. You got uh, teams like the, uh, like the Lakers who have been impacted by people who chose to opt out. Uh, then they had their own brand of injuries as well. Then you have uh, an issue with maybe who can get on the same page together and all kinds of things are happening. Uh, I'm looking at like guys like Deion Waiters who didn't have a lot of, you know, time on the floor, didn't have a lot of reps even before, uh, COVID-19 impacted the season. He's trying to look like he's trying to play himself Scoop in the shape along with trying to play well. Um, J.R. Smith might be in the same boat. Um, so there's there's a lot going on with the Lakers right now. Uh, and so it, the crazy thing about it is, man, is you play all season, all regular season to earn that home court advantage. And all of a sudden now it doesn't mean as much as it did all year long. So it's kind of crazy. Like they, all of the top teams have somewhat had the rug snatched from under them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it makes for, it makes for interesting dynamic. I mean, I don't think you'd have both eight seeds winning a one game on a road on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I don't know, we were on the other day before Lakers Blazers and I'll brag about this. I picked the Blazers to cover the spread. They were getting six and a half. I did say the Lake. I get the minor detail wrong of who's going to win the game. I had Lakers by four. Um, but I don't know that you have that. I, I don't I don't know if even with Dame playing the way he's playing, I don't know if they win that game on the road. Uh, let's see if we can get Scoop. Let's see if we can get Scoop back in here. And uh, Scoop will join us, connection permitting. Um, Francisco asking in the comments about what time lottery starts. Lottery is scheduled to start. In about 10 minutes, 7.30 Chicago time. Um, I think, Brian, let me know if you think I have this wrong. They'll wait for TV, obviously. And uh, still about four minutes left in that Bucks magic game, which is the lead-in on ESPN. So they'll wait for the game to end. Um, but the scheduled time is um, 
It's 7.30 Chicago time. Um, we'll take uh, take whatever questions anybody has. Again, we're talking Bulls. We're talking Bulls coaching search. We're talking Lakers. We're talking draft lottery. We're talking Bucks magic. We're talking everything else, um, NBA playoffs, and anything else on your mind. So um, hop into hop into the comments, um, and we'll go from there. We, um, we haven't gotten deep, Brian, into the Bulls coaching search. Um, let me ask you two questions. One is – What's your best guess on who the next Bulls coach is going to be? Two is who do you think the next Bulls coach should be? Uh, it's really kind of the same guy at this point. Um, I think it's Aimee Yudoka. Uh, I think that the moment that the Bulls, um, when when Connor when Sovis uh, hired Mark Eversley as the general manager, because Aimee Yudoka, I believe right now, is, is serving as an assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers, which is the organization that Eversley came from. Uh, he knows Yudoka very well. And uh, obviously, unless he has, you know, there's some underlying thing here that he doesn't necessarily think he's the right guy for this job, I would think he'd be their first choice. Now, here's the issue. Um, as I mentioned before, the Bulls organization doesn't have the greatest reputation and that extends beyond just players it extends to the coaching ranks as well because you have to think about it this reputation dates back more than a decade so many of the top assistant coaches and and guys like that are people who were playing during the time when this negative reputation was being established so they may carry some of those same concepts with them about and the same perceptions of this organization so i believe that the Bulls will have Ime Udoka as their number one selection. But the, the 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 big deal here is will he accept the job? Because at this point, Udoka's a hot candidate. He doesn't have to take the first job of the people that call his name first. He doesn't have to do that. He can wait for something that's favorable. And I think that a lot of prospective and hot commodity style head coaches or assistant coaches who may be up for head coaching jobs. I think that there, a lot of them are more apt to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what does the getting into this situation currently, what does this mean for me? Is this a good thing, a good situation that I'm going into? And um, I don't know what the answer, what that answer is for Yudoka. Um, so then at that point, you, if he does say, I don't want this job, which I, I don't know that he would, but if he does, you start looking at second and third options. Now, another name that I really liked is Adrian Griffin, but obviously that's been severely complicated by the allegations that have come against him from his ex-wife. Uh, there's allegations of abuse and all of those sorts of things, which of course would make it very, at the very least, at the very least, complicated to hire him. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Outside of that, I've heard names like Bill Self, um, I know that uh, Landon Buford just said this in the comments. I know that uh, Becky Hammond is going to be a name. Becky Hammond, for all intent and purpose, is going to be the first female head coach in the NBA. It's just a matter of where she's going to get the job at. That it, it it's going to happen. It's just a matter of where she's going to get the where where you know where is it going to happen. So um, her name definitely has to be in the conversation. Uh, but for me right now. If I had to say that's the guy that I want, uh, I, it would be Ime Udoka. Um, and if I was saying who I think is probably the front runner 
in the Bulls' thought process, I would say it also would be Ime Udoka. So in the comments, I dropped in um, a roundup that the Chicago Tribune published um, by Jamal Collier, who covers Bulls for the for the Trib. Let me mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll do this, Brian. You hit and Udoka is number two on this list. Although mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a, a, a I don't think the order necessarily is super particular here. So mm-hmm. let's let's run through here. Oh, we got and we'll have Craig Hodges with us in a minute. Um, still no scoop, but we'll get we'll get Craig in here and we'll get Craig's thoughts on on the coaching search. Um, I'll tell you what, let's we're, we want to get to Craig promptly, so we'll get we'll get back to this whole list. But I'll give you, I'll give you the five guys on the list, and then we'll go through them one by one later. It's Kenny Atkinson, mm-hmm. Ame Udoka, Wes Unsell Jr., uh, Darvin Ham from the Bucks, and then Adrian Griffin. And they they do note that they're the Griffin thing's really complicated. All right, so we um, we'll bring in Craig Hodges and wait for him to pop in. Here you give us a second here. All right, Craig Craig is on his way. Craig is on his way in. Uh, he must must be sharing an internet connection with Scoop. So we'll get we'll get Craig we'll get, we'll get Craig in momentarily. We'll be here for a while folks, so we promise we'll have um we promise we'll have him with us. So let's uh well while we wait for him to get back in, um what do you anyone else from that list or anyone else who's not on that list that intrigues you as a Bulls fan? Um you, you know, I I'm this is like a complete shot out of the dark. Like so take this with a grain of salt and don't take this as a uh, massive piece of seriousness, even though I, 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 it's like laughing, but serious. I wonder what are the aspirations, if any, for Kirk Heinrich getting in the coaching. Now I know he's not going to pull a Jason kid and jump straight into the head coaching ranks and bypass all of the, you know, the steps but I've always viewed Heinrich as the kind of guy who would be able to make that transition from player to coach. Mm-hmm. And so he's one of like, he's like one of those guys who's like a quintessential Chicago Bulls. Just, you just, so even though he played for a couple other franchises, you just associate him with the team. So I know that that would be somebody that would be like a development down the pipeline sort of a thing. Uh, and who knows, maybe he might be the guy who ultimately succeeds Bill Self at Kansas. This is alma mater. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Bill Self's name was mentioned as well. So that's like the wildest name that I could come up with. But Landon Buford in the in, in the comment section uh, is also a, a writer at Heavy. He, he uh, mentions Mark Jackson. Uh, I would love Mark Jackson. Uh, Mark Jackson would probably be second behind Ime Udoka for me on my personal list. Um, I strongly doubt <laughs> that Mark Jackson, from a personality standpoint, would jibe well with Jerry Reinsdorf. I don't know about our our tourist Karnasovis. I don't know because I don't I haven't gotten a good enough vibe from him or yet. But I tell you this: there's no way in the world Mark Jackson would have worked well with Pax and Foreman. So maybe now under new management with Mark Eversley as the general manager and, you know, and Connor Sobers as the president of basketball operations, maybe that would have changed. But yes, Mark Jackson would be right there with Udoka for me. All right. We, we're going to try again with Craig. And so give us, uh, 
give us a second and we'll try uh we'll try to get scoop we'll do a two for one with uh scoop and craig all right so here's scoop scoop can you hear us all right and we got so scoop and craig are both in and out appreciate every every hang hang with us here as i said it's a, the night is young and we'll We'll get through this. So, Brian, sorry to uh, sorry to cut you off, but we'll we'll get we'll get Craig on. We'll get Scoop. More importantly, we'll get we'll get Craig on um, as soon as he gets a, as soon as he gets a good connection. Um, yeah, the Mark Jackson. Mark Jack. We've talked about Mark Jackson uh, on each of our last two shows, um, and kind of whether whether he deserves um, w- whether he'll get another shot, and kind of whether whether he deserves another shot. You know, Brian, let me let me ask you this because this was a, a topic of conversation. We had Silk the Shocker on um, last week, and Silk goes way back with Mark Jackson, so he was talking to him a lot. Um, we did a little comparison of the um, the Warriors under Jackson to the Bulls under Doug Collins, um, and I was I was saying we were talking about the the kind of interesting hypothetical of what would have happened if Jackson had stayed. Right, because they went from being a losing team that was really young to being a team that was young that went 20 games above 500 in 2014, his last season. Then obviously they make a massive jump. They Steve Kerr comes in, overhauls the style of play, kind of revolutionizes the way the three point shot is handled, and the rest is history. And um, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's much doubt that it was a good move to go with Steve Kerr. But my question for you, Brian, is. How do you think things would have played out if Jackson had had kept the Golden State job heading into 2014-15? You know, I, I'm not sure. I believe that um, – I'm not going to say – sometimes there's a specific sort of voice that is kind of required. Scoop, right, Scoop, it looks like, Scoop looks like you can at least hear us this time. I can hear you. Can you see me? Okay. I, yes. Loud and clear. Good, good job. All right. Yeah, it seems like the yeah the phone is working better. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sooner rather than later, we'll get Craig. Finish your thought on Mark Jackson. Yeah. Sometimes there's a different voice required, and it doesn't mean that one coach is necessarily superior to another coach. It just means that at this point in time, with this particular group, having a separate voice or a different voice is what is needed to kind of push that team over the top. And um, I think that Steve Kerr's style is one more, uh, is probably better suited to kind of amalgamate a lot of different personalities and uh, skill sets. And to Steve Kerr's credit, he always says, this is Mark Jackson's defense. He's like, this is the defense that they were playing when I got here. He came in and affected what was happening mostly on the offensive side of the basketball. And he brought in philosophies and things that he dabbled and taken from Popovich, things that he'd taken from Phil Jackson, all of the, you know, the try. I mean, he played in some fantastic, uh, uh, played with some, some, with some assistant coaches and head coaches who had fantastic approaches on the offensive side. So all right, we, we yeah. got, I'm going to cut you off because we got, we got Craig, you can see Craig, Craig, can you hear us? Yeah, man, I can hear you. I don't know what's going on with this technology, brothers, but uh, I appreciate this invite. That's all good. No, we'll we'll roll with it. We'll we'll get to some good stuff right away, and uh, we'll we'll keep you for as long as we can. Um, Craig, okay. appreciate you hopping on. 
Um, ben Duty alongside Brian Mazik, Scoop B uh, with us here. Heavy on Bulls, heavy on Lakers here. Um, Craig, as we mentioned at the top, um, a two-time champion player with the Bulls, two-time champion assistant coach with the Lakers. Um, and so we get some Bulls fans, Craig, in the comments here. We have some Laker fans. We have some NBA fans. We get some people who are excited about the draft lottery. Um, so all, all, sorts of, all sorts of good stuff to talk about. What I, um, what I wanted to start with, Craig, and um, said this at the top, the, you on as a guest kind of in this moment of time with activism in the NBA is, is a really interesting topic because um, a lot of the activism that you're seeing in the NBA front and center in the bubble is stuff that you, Craig, were doing and talking about 30 years ago. Um, so you went after the championship in 1992, visited the White House, um, and you handed President George H.W. Bush a letter um, documenting um, – you should talk about the letter in your own words – but you, you laid out concerns about the way that the administration was handling policies related to underserved communities and people of color. Um, right. And I, I wonder, Craig, and you can go kind of um, as as narrow or broad as you want on this. Um, I wonder, 30 years later, how you look back at what played out in 1992 and in subsequent years. Well, first of all, just thank you guys and thank God for giving us a chance to come across the airways, man, and, and affect people's lives in a positive manner and give them something to to consider, man. And for me, you know, in 19, we think about 1991, and as well as uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, when he did his, uh, you know, when he would pray, you know, during the national anthem, you know, when you look at those type of things during that period of time without the social media generation, it was a different time where the media was in basically in cahoots with the teams and owners. So the word for me is one of those things where people consider me a rabble rouser, consider me a a locker room lawyer and, and just stupid stuff like that, man, as opposed to what my statistics were and what my, uh, you know, what value I brought to whatever team I played for, you know, but when I see what's going on today, the letter that I gave to President Bush in uh, 1991 is apropos today, man, because, you know, we look at and consider the issues of poor people, people of color, and people who have been oppressed over centuries, you know, those issues are coming to the forefront now. And, all nations on earth are starting to see what is what has happened in America. And regardless of what we want to say American exceptionalism is and what it may be, you know, people around the world are starting to see the impact of what black people have brought to this nation and the way that we've been treated, not only by the police, but by societal racism. Craig, what's up, Chief? Hey, good, 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 brother. Man, I'm glad we finally got this connection right. Ben, Brian, how are you <laughs> Uh, we are looking good, man. Uh, I wanted to uh, tell Craig, he, he doesn't know this, we were neighbors for a while. I, I just moved yeah. from Park Forest. So, oh, my uh, man. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to uh, I live I used to live around the corner from Rich East. So okay, I cool. just, just moved. And, uh, one, yeah, one of your former uh, players on your team is a, is, a, is a kid that I know. I, 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 I play with him a little bit up there at LA Fitness in uh in uh mats and sometimes uh q you know who you know i'm talking about q <laughs> man yeah. and you know this it's amazing that that that's the brother you play with he was my favorite player man because <laughs> he has a certain heart he has a certain heart yes that yes. you can't can't reel it in because it's infectious to his teammates yes. but at the same 
time, I would always have to tell him, you know, everybody doesn't have that that, that alpha dog. You know? <laughs> so yes, you have to yes. try to lead by example sometimes, and sometimes you can't talk about it while you're doing it. Yes, man. I, I you 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 and I having the same conversations with him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's an honor to get an opportunity to speak to you, man. And um, uh, you know, just 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 a fantastic example of uh being more than a basketball player before that was a term. Thank you, brother. Craig, tell me something. Um, I'm glad that we got the formalities, the, the interconnect connection together. And I'm, as my grandmother would say, I'm glad we're cooking with hot grease now. I'm curious to know yes. from your perspective, um, when you look at Colin Kaepernick um, and you look at what ended up happening with George Floyd um, and you look at where the NBA has gone with the names on the back of the jerseys, would you, would it be a fair assessment to say that Colin Kaepernick, A, was right, and B, um, sports got it wrong. Uh, we know one of the things that, you know, we look at the fabric of um, not only Colin, but myself, McNood, Abdul Raul, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown. You know, sometimes we look at the, the people who analyze it, they say, oh, man, that's a different style athlete. But when you just stop and look at where we come from and that we're the fabric and culture of our communities and that the struggles that were going on in our communities, we were fortunate enough to go away and study about them and try to have some impact in solving them. So we're no different than any of our other people. It's just that sometimes we're highlighted because of the positions that we have within society. And I think, you know, when you look at us playing in the bubble, when I look at it, I, I haven't watched the game, man. And, um, since they've been down there, I've seen some highlights. And when I looked at it, to me, it's a video game. It doesn't even look real to me. So it doesn't look as though it's something that it doesn't even look like they're playing for a championship. It looks like a, a practice game to me. And that's why I'm telling people why the scoring totals are so elevated, because they're playing in practice, man. And in practice, you know, it's one of those things where somebody ain't feeling like getting down. So you're going to go be able to go for 50 or 60, you know. So it's not to me, it's um. You know, when all of it went down and they were talking about, well, you know, we come down here to the bubble, it's going to give you a bigger platform. <laughs> and to me, it's a joke, man, because we know when you go into the bubble, it's about the NBA basketball and their and their um, product. And their product is producing, showing players putting the ball in the basket, not civil rights or human rights. And so I don't look to the NBA for human rights because when I look at the way that I was treated over the years and even up and through All-Star Weekend of this year, I know that I've been somewhat persona non grata, and it's cool with me, man, because I understand that we're standing on history and we're standing on historical terms that will have to be answered at some point in time, whether it be me or my children. But I think just based on the vibrations that we see in today throughout the world, we see a Kamala Harris being the first sister to be nominated for vice president. We see young people all over the world marching in terms of Black Lives Matter. So it's a different day, man. So when I look at Colin Kaepernick with the social media platform that he had, he was able to, to expand the consciousness of America at a period of time that, you know, with, with Donald Trump being elected and, and the right, the right uh, wing of our society being able to stand up with, with uh, dog whistles and Right, right out, you know, gaslighting, man. So it was this thing that I think now, more than any other period of time, man, athletes have an opportunity to even have to have even more power within 
bringing about solutions to those who don't have that opportunity to. When you played and you talked about, you know, blackballing and I heard a little bit of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf uh, right. while I was get my signal. I felt like I was at McDonald's at the, at the broken drive through microphone. But um, when, <laughs> when talking about that, um, I've always been curious about this with you and, and even anyone who's ever been blackballed. Mm-hmm. Were there any superstars that ever said to you, yo, you're blackballed? Were there ever role players who said that? Were there ever front office people like, when do you have that moment? Oh, snap, I'm blackballed. Well, for me, it was uh, when Tech, when I talked to Tex Winter, it's probably October 1992, when we should be going to training camp. I hadn't been signed by anybody. I had two world championships and three consecutive three-point titles at that time, and I couldn't get an agent to represent me. My union told me that uh, I needed an agent that a team owed a favor so they would know that I'm not a bad guy. So it was things like that, that, you know, and, and, and likewise, I'm a, I'm a student of history, but it's one of those things when in 1991 and 92, the way that I had played, the way that I carried myself, I was a player rep for teams that all four teams I'd ever played for, never in my wildest dreams did I think that I wasn't going to get to be an unrestricted free agent when the Bulls released me and someone would pick me up. And it wasn't until, like I said, October when I talked to Tex Winter and he said he had called every team on my behalf as well as Phil Jackson and no team would return their calls. And they found that extremely odd. And so for me, when I look at the difference between myself and Colin Kaepernick, I feel like McMood as well. We we had and we still have valid, valid um, grievances, valid uh, conversations that need to be had about why our careers ended in such a way where you effectively uh, change the trajectory of my children's lives as far as, they, as far as generational wealth is concerned. And I think that needs to be questioned as well as the fact that, you know, when, when your union doesn't stand up for you, to me, that's a total sign of collusion. And that was something that when I, when I sued the league in 1997, the attorney that I had who was disbarred now from the state of Illinois was in fact trying to, uh, uh, strike a deal with David Stern as opposed to standing on my behalf. So when I look back at some of the things that went down, I know that the position that we take in this day and time is valid because it's based on historical right conduct, historical facts that cannot be irrefutable facts. So it's one of those things that we're in. I feel like right now, those athletes who are in the bubble, especially like Dwight Howard, who's one of the ones that I've, I've been speaking to, on you know a monthly or a weekly basis, just talking to him about standing firm, man. That we need someone down there standing firm, because all I hear coming out is sound bites about Black Lives Matter, and then once again, it's a determination of what black means. You know, um, one of the things we were talking about those teams in that time, and and I know that you had some comments about uh, the last dance uh, documentary that, 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 that aired and you weren't the only uh, ex <laughs> to have uh, some, some issues with the, the way that whole thing went. But I got a question. Were you surprised at all considering, you know, uh, how, you know, how heavy of a hand Mike obviously had on it and the control of what was put out there. Were you surprised with the way that went? You know, I think nobody should, probably should have been surprised when you think, you know, in fact, for me, I found out that it was coming out a week before it came out because um, right now I'm in the process of doing my documentary and feature film. So we've been working on our project 18 months before this came out. And my son told me about it. I'm like, 
I wonder why is it called The Last Dance? And then I saw where Phil Jackson always has a mantra. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But for me, it was one of those things and looking, you know, and, and from the standpoint, Michael being heavy handed, that's what Air Jordan is about, man. Air Jordan is about um, his uh, iconic image, man. And that the, the economics behind it, it's not about the exploitation of people. It's not about the oppression of people. It's about rugged capitalism. And I think sometimes we can, we can get stuck in thinking that, and, and, and me and my youth, man, when I was in, when, like I said, when I asked Magic and MJ both to, you know, to boycott the first game or the, or the finals, I was immature at that time of the economic consequences of standing up and, you know, not so much that I didn't know about John Carlos and Tommy Smith coming back from the Olympics and not being able to get economic jobs and that kind of thing. But it was just one of those things where, man, I'm the top shooter in the game. How can this, how can we play basketball and I not be able to play? But at the same time, realizing that, you know, if I'm playing with Michael Jordan, a lot of people are looking and, and, and myself at times, I would say, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And people took that to mean Michael, but I was talking about Oprah in, in the city of Chicago. <laughs> Because yeah. if, if if you can go to South Africa and build a school, surely you could build one on the south and west side. So it's one of those things that, you know, those iconic images that we have thought that were going to be the bastion of hope for our people have actually been almost uh, a whirlpool effect of draining the, the economic lifeblood out of our communities at times, just through the product involvement that they have within our, within our communities. Mm-hmm. Craig, can so you talk- in the short term, no, it didn't. It didn't surprise me that it was heavy-handed. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> you you talked about Scottie Pippen um, and Oakley, and um, when you looked at the documentary and you saw um, the fact that he was upset about his contract, I guess my follow-up question, or my 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 first question to you is this. When you look at his frustration and him expressing it, and you look at who he was as a player in the early '90s as your teammate, do you think he realized? Do you think he knew how good he was and he knew his worth, even like yeah. back then? Yeah, man. You know, one of the things is that you know, as as young African American people, man, we those dollars that we were, and and even now, you know, nobody could tell LeBron James he's going to make that type of money in a lifetime, man. So. You know, when you get in, when you get into the game and, and now you start to see what your value is and the only way that you can leverage your value is to buy, by sitting out or having a long um, standing negotiation or what have you. But, you know, that whole thing, you know, in the last dance, it was a couple couple instances. So when you're talking about Scotty's contract, why is that in the last dance? Likewise, when, when uh, Scotty didn't come out for the shot, and Tony Kukoc hit the shot, you bringing up dead issues within the community where Scotty is beloved again, but now you 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 drum, drumming up old wounds where you weren't even on the team when he did that. So why did that have to be within the context of your last dance that Scotty is this selfish individual? Then I'm sitting as a player and teammate of both of you, and then I see in the Utah game, Right, coming off of us saying how how selfish Scotty is with it, they show 
play in the Utah series, down on the floor, gets him like, that's one of the most unselfish plays MJ would have ever seen in his career from a, a fellow teammate. So it was a lot of things, you know, that and the whole thing with the cocaine circuits and, you know, brothers that I know from that team who are clean, decent men who had to sit and be thrown under the bus with just the insinuation that you may have been one of the ones in the room, either with lines of cocaine, weed, or women. And now you got to sit there with your grandbabies or cousins or family who we didn't gather around the TV to watch this because I know you was on MJ's squad. Now the, the highlight is it's come from the TV to which one was you in, uncle? Which one was you in, granddad? And these questions are some that I felt, you know, they personal. But the way that he made it come out to be like, you know, you're an angel. That's not cool, man. Yeah. 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 I, I think it, it definitely is something that they kind of, you know, I, I went through a gamut of emotions as I was watching the last dance. Right. Uh, and I'm sure that a lot of people probably did. I went from I'm looking at him and I'm like, wow, um, you know, always known or always believed that Mike was the greatest player I ever saw. But I never, mm -hmm. ever necessarily thought he was the greatest person in the NBA. You know, I never thought that I was never that guy, you know? Uh, so I, I got this question for you. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a two-part question. Mm -hmm. Who's the greatest player you ever saw? But who, and then secondly, who's the greatest man you've ever come across or come in contact with in the NBA? Well, uh, um, probably just from, um, and man, that you know, you're gonna make me throw a lot of people gonna throw some heat at heat my way, man. You know, because one one of the one of the things that I, I tell people all the time, man, that I feel as though all my steps have been guided, man. And and that, you know, when I think about Bill Walton, when I think about Jerome Whitehead, when I think about Randy Smith, when I think about Norm Nixon, I think about the players who molded me into a professional from a work ethic standpoint, from a understanding of how the game works from understanding how management works. You know, it's a cadre of people that that fit into that group, you know, but in, just from a just from a standpoint like that, man, I would have to say, you know, Terry Cummins was one of the, you know, to me, one of the solid brothers that I always and continue to see, you know, as being a brother that went through the league, 17 year career, you know, never really a blemish on anything, you know, like that. So. To me, that was one of the greatest brothers that I had a chance to play with. And, and, and uh, um, you know, and I tell people as far as winning championships, we will never won one without the teacher, Bill Cartwright, man. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, I remember when the trade was made and I remember sitting there thinking, you're going to trade Oakley? Are you serious? But right. <laughs> as you got to the point, it was like, that inside presence on a defensive standpoint, you know, especially during that era when we were talking yeah. about an era where so many offenses ran from inside out. If yeah. you didn't have a defender on the post who didn't need a double team to help, you were in trouble. You think about it. If if we would have kept, and I came in after Oak, so I came in with Bill. Mm -hmm. That had We had Charles Oakley instead of Bill Carver. We wouldn't have won, man. When you're yeah. talking about, you know, people like uh, Brad Doherty, <laughs> you know, we're talking about Patrick At, Ewan, yeah. you know, and I, we're talking about James Edwards. We're talking about Robert Parrish. We're talking about people when they would face Bill Cartwright, <laughs> they would be shooting fadeaway jump shots, which is, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and most of the time they were 
taking a uh, drop step into the pain or turning for the little baby hook into the lane. They weren't getting in the lane. And that's why I tell people we would not have won with, like you said, without Bill being to be able to just cover our painted area, man. Yeah, yeah. Game is so much different now than it was then, you know. Uh, it, 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 do you ever look at it and you because you hold Bill Cartwright in such high regard and, and for a good reason <laughs> that it feels as though players like him are not, not even NBA players anymore? Man, when I look at when I look at uh, Joel Embiid, and I'm just looking at his athleticism and how he could dominate from basket to basket if he wanted to. But instead of picking and rolling, he's picking and popping for three-point shots. When I'm like, that's the easy way out. All you have to run, now you're just running from the defensive end to the three-point line is big man. When, you know, when I think about a Bill Walton, I watched him in college when he ran the whole game with his hands up from basket to basket. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> saying? And, that, and now you look at the game, it's become so analytical that it, it's, it's positionless. So if you can shoot threes or even be, or make it look like it's going in from three, you're shooting them. And that's, it's a big difference, man. So I would have loved to seen a lot of these players play under the rules and physicality of how we play. Yeah. So if, uh, for anybody who's watching this and not watching the lottery, the Bulls just got the number four pick. Oh. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Bulls just got the number four pick. So that does change some stuff around in regards to who you who you're looking. I mean, so that puts them possibly in there for Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin, Killian Hayes, uh, maybe even Denny from Israel. Uh, they'll definitely be there to get Tyree Halliburton, the guy that I really like. If, 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 you know, if, if, you know, you, you never know what to look for now because I, I, there was a time. And, Hmm. and now, and now to me, all of this is, uh, it's all, it's a toss up, man. All of it. We We got, uh, we had Craig a little in and out. I put on my screen share for a minute here. Just to mm-hmm. highlight, he's talking about shooting and positionless basketball and how things are now and how things were then. How do you like 1985-86? He shoots 45% from three, leads the league. And then Craig in 87-88 um, shoots 49% also leads the league. So um, not a bad not a bad shooter, as as Mr. Mazik can uh, attest as a longtime Bulls fan. Absolutely. And I always thought that Craig was a very underrated ball handler as well um, uh, because he shot a lot of spot-up stuff. But if you watch Craig, especially if you watch him when he was with the Bucks and he had more ball handling uh, responsibilities, uh, he could handle. You know, he could handle too. So it wasn't – sometimes it, what, what, what I think a lot of people don't realize – is just because all you see an NBA player do regularly is one or two roles doesn't mean that that's all they have in their bag. You know, there's oftentimes these guys have multi layers to their to their to their game. And uh, if you picked up Craig Hodges with the Bulls, you might have thought that all he did was went and stand in the corner waiting for Mike to kick it out to him. But it was at, at a at a at a uh, time I was saying Craig uh, when you went out there. Uh, can you hear me? Well, I don't think he's back yet. We'll 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 get him. We'll get him when he we'll, we'll get him when he can. Um, but um, 
Yeah, you're um full full disclosure. I remember I think you know, Brian, you're not revealing your your full your full uh age, but uh yeah, you're, you're I, gonna... I, I tell you, I come back like Jordan, I come back like Jordan wearing the full five. You are, yeah. <laughs> you're you you have a uh, let me ask you this scoop so brian has a few years on scoop and i are about the same age and brian has a few years on us mm-hmm. and i think scoop for me i vividly remember the second bulls three-peat um all three of those and i even somewhat vividly remember the two rockets championships the first three Bulls championships including the two teams that craig was on I probably did. I definitely watched those games, but you're talking about we're five or six years old. So you get to enlighten us. Um, give it, give it, give us a little bit more of a snapshot, Brian, for those who um, don't remember it and haven't come back and watched the tape. He's a sharp shooter. At this point, by the way, it's the it's the end of Craig's career. Yeah, but it's it's the end of his actual career. But it really right. is at the end of when I mean, because if you look at it, he was 31 years old in the right. last year of his uh, in the last year of his career in the NBA. And while his minutes had drastically decreased by that time, he he played almost what was the second lowest minutes, what really was the lowest minutes he'd ever played in his career. He was down about 10 minutes a game. Uh, he still shot 39% from three point range. And this was at a time when, you know, you know, guys weren't even shooting that many threes per game, you know, I mean, sorry, 37% from three, you know, guys weren't even shooting a ton of threes per game. So 37% ranked much higher than in the league than it did, than it, than it would now. I mean, you got probably, you probably got 60 guys in the NBA shooting at least 37% from the three. I'm, that's just a guess, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's somewhere in there. So uh, with the bulls though, uh, Craig was primarily a spot up shooter. Uh, he was a backup um, point guard, shooting guard. He could play either the point guard position for the Bulls at that time was not a traditional point guard. And throughout the time with the Bulls, it was not a traditional point guard because Michael Scotty brought the ball up and the offense kind of ran through them. And um, so whoever was playing point guard pretty much played off the ball a lot. Um, BJ Armstrong might have handled it the most of any point guard in that time period. Um, but when Craig came in, it was absolutely for instant offense. Uh, when he was on the floor, they were looking for him, trying to find his shot because if he was hot, he could take a three point lead and make it 12 quick. And if, if the bulls were down 13 or 10, which was rare during that time period, he could turn it to a tie game or a three point game, uh, quickly. Uh, and he, you know, didn't need a, didn't need a lot of time to do it. Uh, just a beautiful jump shot, um, two foot two foot leaper, uh, and just squared up perfectly, nicely, and just when he was hot, man, nasty. Yeah, brothers, I don't know what this technology is doing to me today, man. But uh, I tried. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Uh, I, I was just saying uh, before you went out, uh, Craig, I was like, uh, a lot of people, if they picked you up with Chicago, they don't realize yeah. I, I, he was, I said, Craig was a, a better ball handler than I think people got, people really <laughs> understood. Yeah, you know, it, if you look at Milwaukee, the time in Milwaukee, and you saw when, yeah. when you had a lot more ball handling uh, responsibilities, no question. Uh, he had some handle, some like real, oh. real, for real handle, like some like, ooh kind of stuff yeah. you know so uh you know people don't know that's the part of me that's funny man you know when i got to milwaukee <clears throat> i was uh 
you know, I was point guard. So I got traded there as a point guard. And that was the first uh, entree into point forward with Paul Preston. Mm -hmm. Paul Preston, he started it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and Press would, Press would draw people to me all the time, man, and, and drop the ball between his legs and set a pick for me, all kind of stuff. So it was fun for me just to get in the, get in the shoot. But at the same time, you know, when I got to Chicago, I got to handle the ball some when Doug Collins would let us play that freely. But um, when we got with the triangle, I understood the triangle that, you know, your, your dribbling opportunities are going to be mainly open court opportunities and be ready to spot up and knock down jumpers and ball movement and spacing and, and player movement. And that's the foundation of the system. And it wins championships, man. So I had no bones about it. But, yeah, it's funny when I hear people like, man, all hot can do is shoot. I'm like, man, you ain't see the summer leagues in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, against uh, my man, Bug, uh, Brian Leach, yeah. man, some of the – man, yeah. those 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 summer league games and them, uh, uh, the Pro-Am games in Chicago back then, they was like – it was something different, yeah. man. It was something different. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, we were just looking over some of the stats, and like it's shocking. People realize your last league, your last year in the league, you were thirty-one years old. I mean, that in itself is just—I mean, you look at somebody who's thirty-one year old, thirty-one years old in the league, especially if they're a shooter. You figure they probably got four or five more years to collect, you know, and for that to be the end for Craig was really kind of like, wow. You're muted, you're muted, Ben. That might might help to turn my mic back on, <laughs> huh? Um, what I was saying uh, that nobody could hear was um, I saw a quote that I think made, made the rounds a good deal that you guys have probably seen from Phil um, about Craig, that at the end of Craig's career, um, he couldn't. He wasn't much of a defender, but as as far as being a free agent goes, there are plenty of other guys in the league who weren't great defenders either, and not mm -hmm. very many of them could shoot like Craig. Um, right. And I think Phil, you know, for, forget for a second what Craig said about what was happening. Phil Jackson was surprised that Craig didn't get a look. Um, yes, yeah. or was was surprised that there was like zero expressed interest as opposed to at least getting like more uh, any kind of a real legitimate look. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It, it the way it went, and and you know it was. I'm gonna t I'm gonna tell you something, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna just you want to talk about systemic racism, and how it's not just a white thing, right? In the black community there were a lot of people that had this whole take where they were like, Craig talk too much. He do too much. And so that you want to talk about the impact of systemic racism. That's what it is, is when you can inflict something so deeply on a group of people that you get them to believe that talk, that that sharing your opinion and standing on anything means you're doing too much. That is when you really know systemic racism is truly in effect. I um I hope we get Craig back for many reasons. Um, one is I I, I want to ask him, and I, I'm kind of curious how this plays out for current current players too. Um, 
you've had this this um, attention, a ton of attention on activism the past few months. You're also in a presidential election year. Obviously, activism and politics are connected deeply, and they always have been. But one thing I'm curious about is as you get through the conventions here, and as you get closer to November, to what extent does the election be, get to the forefront of some of the conversation about activism? Um, and I think Craig's a particularly interesting guy to talk about that in part because in 1991, 1992, he's not just an outspoken guy in general. He's a guy who hand delivers the president of the United States a eight page letter at the White House. Um, so that intersection, I think, is um, is interesting. But Scoop, one, one thing Brian and I were also talking about before you joined us is um, unless I have unless I miss something, an NBA champion has not visited the White House while Donald Trump has been president. Um, I would expect that to change if Joe Biden is president. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll be curious kind of on multiple fronts, kind of how that um, how that plays out um, on a totally different topic. Some good comments coming in about the about the Bulls uh, and the and the fourth pick. Um, and uh, like a bunch of different stuff here, including uh, including uh, Lamelo Ball. Who do you, who do you who do you think the Bulls should grab at number four, Brian? Uh, at number four, you know, it really kind of really depends on like who's there. Um, I, I really like Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, yeah, uh, he was. Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead, Scoop, um, if you can. I think that the Bulls. Brian, I think I cut you off. If I did, I'm sorry. This internet where I am is trash. Yeah, it's all um, good. But basically, I, I think that the Bulls need a guard, uh, a complimentary scoring guard next to Zach Levine and Kobe White. Uh, um, you know, you have Wendell Carter, who, you know, at times, you know, able to run the floor as a, as a hybrid power forward. Um, Larry Markinen, for me, um, has not been uh, healthy for a lot of the season. And I think that um, one of the things that the Bulls um, has had is a, is a scoring punch in Zach Levine, but who else is the person who's able to contribute and help Levine in, in certain key situations? He can't do it all by himself. Um, Kobe White did average, I think he's second or third on the roster this season, averaging 13 points a game. Um, you know, Zach Levine calls him a human flamethrower. But if Kobe's off, you know, who's going to be that second role? You'd think it would be, uh, you know, Larry thought it would be even um, I mean, that is young. And he has not been able to fit with that, that team this season at all. So I, I do think um, scoring guard uh, would help. To me, a guy Cole Anthony uh, may, be, may be beneficial if he's there at four. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, maybe even the Bulls could consider packaging uh, a, a myriad of deals um, because I know that um, there are the, the Bulls have some questions as far as you know the future of whether he wants to stay in Chicago. That the coach uh, that he did not get along with was Jim Boylan, um, and I can tell you that uh, that was one of the first steps in Chicago potentially um, retaining him past. Uh, two years from now when his contract expires. So the question needs to be, you know, if the Bulls can package a deal uh, with a team like a 76ers uh, who, you know, currently 0-2 in the playoffs, you know, the, the Sixers are going to have to make a decision of whether or not, you know, they want to retain Ben Simmons, you know. So do you do you create or if you want to retain, you know, Joel Embiid? So do you create a scenario where, 
you package some picks uh, and you potentially make some type of move uh, with the 76ers or the Golden State Warriors. The Bulls are fourth. Uh, the Timberwolves are one. The Warriors are two in the draft. So there's a lot of things to consider. But if the Bulls are going to keep that pick, you know, scoring a scoring guard, scoring a scoring wing uh, may be a benefit to that team. You know, I honestly, I, I don't, I, I know that offensively the Bulls definitely had some, some struggles. Um, but I don't think that a scoring, a score first guy is, is necessarily um, the right move. I think uh, a facilitator or as Prophet the Realist is saying in the chat, a three and D player is something that fits more with what the team needs on a night and night out basis. I think they're oftentimes this the way this offense looks on the floor especially when they get in the weeds is 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 is, it looks as though they don't have a direction and when you have a facilitator on the floor when you have someone to actually run an offense and to make decisions on the fly which they haven't really had uh, i think that is the type of thing that allows an offense to run more smoothly but i I tend to lean more towards what profit the realist is saying or at least the concept is which which is a three and d player the bulls were dreadful on defense whenever Chris Dunn was not on the floor. If Chris Dunn wasn't on the floor, it might it might as well have been us four or us three and like two people from 69th Street. Like it really this is this is this is how bad defensively the Bulls were when Chris Dunn wasn't on the floor. That's why if you look at a guy like Tyrese Halliburton who's able to give something on the defensive end, able to also uh, be a dependable outside shooter, even somebody lower in case the Bulls would consider trading back, like Isaac Okoro. Isaac Okoro is a defensive-minded kind of guy. Um, to me, you have to give Kobe White an opportunity. Maybe they've already looked at, um, you know, uh, Arturis Karnasovas and uh, Mark Eversley has already looked at uh, Kobe White, and they've decided yay or nay whether or not he's a real point guard or not. I don't know what their evaluation is on that. That has a lot to do with what they do with this pick because how you view Kobe White dictates whether or not you believe you still need a point guard. So if you think you already have that guy or if the jury is still out, then you may go in a different direction. Uh, as far as Laurie Markinen is concerned, I'm not sure if what we saw from Laurie Markinen is due to the fact that he completely lost confidence in Jim Boylan and the overall situation. And we just saw a really disenchanted guy uh, along with the injuries that he was battling. I'm not sure. Uh, but if you talk about injuries, the guy that I'm the most concerned with is Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter has really struggled to stay healthy. Um, so when he is healthy, I, I like him. I like him as kind of like a Al Horford light sort of a player. Um, but the position that I hone in on the most that I think without a question is the place where you have an opportunity to do something truly significant is at the small forward position. I think everybody knows that Otto Porter is not a $25 million a year guy, which is what he's getting right now. Uh, and if you want to get to a place where you're getting the most out of that position, I think you got to target a three and D style player who can occupy that position from a de- on the defensive end on, on the D side and also can spread the floor with the three point shot. Um, the problem with that is do, is there a three and D style player worthy of the number four spot? 
if the answer to that is no, then now you got you have to consider whether or not you trade this pick. Um, I know that Denny uh, is. I've watched him play. I've looked at several full games of his. He gets better literally like every two to three weeks. The the dude has serious game, serious game. Uh, but I don't think he'll ever be a fantastic defender. Um, so I don't know. We, I mean, if put it like this, if the Bulls come away and Denny is their pick, you won't hear me argue. If Tyrese Halliburton is their pick, you won't hear me argue. Um, if they trade back and they get, you know, James Wiseman, that wouldn't be that I wouldn't have an issue with that. That shows me that Wendell Carter or Markinen are on the block. Gotta be at that point. So uh we'll see what happens, but I don't think anybody who was doing their mocks or doing their own projections and prognostications were thinking the Bulls were gonna get the number four pick. So this this is throwing a lot of stuff up in the air for a lot of people to consider. Right, we're gonna we're gonna pop we're gonna bring in a, a recurring guest and he's a guy who knows both the Bulls and Lakers very well, um, including good NBA defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he is our friend Daniel Artest, host of the Daniel Artest podcast, and uh, the number one recurring guest on this program. Daniel, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Hey, Brian, big fan of you, man. Um, I follow your YouTube stuff. Um, I'm a big 2K guy like you, and I'm a big, big my GM guy. I don't know what's going on. No news is coming out. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, man. I'm like yeah, frustrated. We- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, I'm yeah. Like, man, what is going on, B? Like, so do you, you don't know? You don't have nothing going on right now with it, right? It's crazy. Nothing man. coming out, man. Hey, well, I'm gonna tell you, man. Uh, just just keep it locked for the next week. I think we might have a little something to make us feel a little bit better. Yeah, man. And I gotta play against your bit. son too, man. Your son was looking good on the on the 2K TV um when he when when he was playing the um. Oh, against one of the, I think it was him uh, against like LeBron or something like that, or whatever. Yeah, it was against it was against Anthony Davis. Anthony was, Davis, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, did good. Yeah. He did, he did, he did pretty good. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, man. Uh, definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate any any and all, uh, uh, uh you know, um, support. Yeah, most definitely. I've been following you for years, actually, man, because you you right up my alley with that my gym, man. That's me. I like building building teams and everything. It's just because um I'm not, I'm not I'm not the online type of guy when I play two K and stuff, and like playing against people that don't know how to play basketball in real right. life or whatever. Right, so, right. You know right. what I mean? I'd rather just I'd rather just get my own team building thing on and stuff, man. But yeah, thanks for having me on the show again, Ben. And um, Scoop, what's going on, man? What's going on? Scooping on Paul's left and right here, man. Scoop, so we, we Craig, Craig Hodges have been. <laughs> you, you muted, uh, Scoop. Yeah, I seen a y'all seen a video of Young Scoop today too. He was on oh, NBA, yeah. NBA Inside Stuff, man. On, man. Man, I'm just chilling, man. Just maintaining. Just um, uh, you know, just wanted to hang out with y'all for a little second, real quick. Yeah, you, you know, know man. Uh, for a minute, yo, yo, your bro, your bro wasn't on the game, so I used to have to create him. Yeah, he's not on he's not on 2K20 either, cause um yeah. to come up with that um you know that other stuff, you know. And Ron not really hip to it too. I'm, I'm like, cause he thought he was on, and I'm like, yo, Ron, you're not on 2K. Like, you need to, you know, I don't know what you want, money or something like that. But you need to right. fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, I, I'm like, bro, like, I, I, like, cause I, I made a, I made an all time uh Pacers squad and an all time mm-hmm. King squad, and I was like, man, I need. I need Ron on the on the game. I, I mean, dude, I, I'm telling you, man. I went and saw, I went and saw the Pacers play the Pistons 
Uh, this wasn't this wasn't the the malice game. This was I went and saw them that that same year, and uh, I I know Ron Oliver, a former assistant coach. Okay. And he was he was telling me he said, "Man, I'm gonna tell you, man. Ron is one of the top five players in the NBA. Hmm. He's like, I'm telling you, he's like, people don't talk about it like that. He said, but if you want to talk about putting the ball in the basket." And playing on the other end, he was like, I'm telling you, there are not four players in this league that are better than Ron. And it was like, like I'm telling you, like a month later, all of that happened. <laughs> it was crazy, man. I was just like, I remember being so mad that the Bulls traded him for Brad Miller and Jalen Rose. I was like, what is going on, bro? I'm like, yeah. I'm like but I honestly, I didn't have any idea he would end up being as good as he got. I mean, yeah, he worked. He worked really hard. But I heard you talking about the Bulls and their draft pick. Um, yeah, I like the, I like the Denny guy, man, from from Israel. I really do. Yeah, like I him. like him, man. I like him, man. I He's like moving him. up. You know what's crazy? I was reading these um these different scouting reports today from from different like experts experts. But they were yeah. saying like James Wiseman's going to fall back to the back of the lottery for some weird reason. I don't know why. I yeah, read I've that. I'm that. like, I seen like, that too. Yeah, I, I mean, I think James Wiseman. He's good, but we don't really know how good how good he is really because he only played three games at Memphis. You know, um, I thought that he should have just, you know, he should have just went pro early, get his name out there. He should have just went to Australia or something like that. Um, LaMelo Ball, I like him too, 6'8 point guard. You can't really, you know, you can't really teach that, that height at that at that position, you know. But um, I really like the Denny guy, man. I really yeah. do. And the Bulls getting a fourth pick actually, like you said, it messes it up a lot for Bulls, man. You know what I'm saying? They don't know what to do. You go yeah. for a big man, you're going to have to trade somebody. Um, you got Zach Levine at the guard. You got Kobe White and stuff it's like so. So what y'all need? Y'all got Otto Porter, but you know that's the upgrade spot. That's gonna be the upgrade spot. So the Denny guy, he actually might he might be the one for y'all. I, I really yeah. like him. And, and when you look at the fact that the vice president of basketball operations is Arturis Konosovis, who is mm -hmm. an international uh, was an international star. Yes, I think he's going to be more open to looking at an international prospect. Uh, with that pick so mm -hmm. you know they're, they're not from the same country but you're that broad scope of looking at the league and prospects on a global standpoint yeah. and not favor I mean because we, we talk about human beings they are they got tendencies just like anybody else mm -hmm. you know and they may favor going that route you know just simply because it's, it's what you're familiar with so uh, and if you also look at the fact that he plays small forward yeah you know, I, I don't I see a lot of people, they, you know, a lot of basketball fans, and I see a lot of people in the chat and they putting like together mock lineups and I love it. Kobe Levine, Porter Jr. topping my man, the deck won't the, wants the Bulls to trade for Michael Porter Jr. I don't know why in the world you think Denver would part with Michael Porter Jr. based off of what he's been doing lately. <laughs> I have yeah. no idea why yeah. you think that, but that ain't happening, bro. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I, 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 dude, I'm telling you, Kobe. Zach Levine, Denny, a healthy and motivated Laurie Marketing, and Wendell Carter Jr. is 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 decent. Now Andy L's got Levine and Bradley Beal on the floor, bro. They ain't enough balls on the court for Levine and Bradley Beal to play together. Yeah. Let me ask you a question though. Let me ask you a question real quick. Um, you don't think they they should trade uh, Marketing though? Because I know that um Wendell Carter wants to play the four now. But here's my problem though, right? What is marketing's trade value right now? That's a good question. I don't even, I don't, I mean, I don't know. You know, I feel like you stand to gain more mm -hmm. by trying to 
see if a new coaching staff, new management can come in and re-motivate him and get him back on that track that he was on. Because mm -hmm. you got to think about it, marketing was a part of this Jimmy Butler trade. It's, yes. it's, it should be important to the Bulls organization to continue to feel as though they got the better of this trade. You know, and if you if you look at the fact that we've had almost zero playoff success since it's pretty much zero playoff success since he's been traded. So now we're saying the only thing we got left, because we pretty much know Dunn probably isn't coming back. All we got left is Zach, which obviously is the best player on the team at this point. Mm -hmm. But I want Larry Markkinen is still a seven foot guy who is an above average three point shooter. I would say a slightly above average athlete at his size. He can finish. He, you know, but he is one of those guys that you got to get him mentally on the right page. Mm -hmm. I think I would at least try to do that first um, because you might actually stand to gain more by simply letting his salary fall off once the contract is over and filling that with the player that you want rather than settling for what you have to get in okay. a trade, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I, I, the Bulls, y'all got a lot. Y'all got a nice future, though, with this fourth pick, man. What was y'all? What was y'all percentage? Like one percent or something? Uh, uh, for well, for the for number one, it was seven and a half percent. Seven and a half percent. Okay, cool. I'm just glad y'all knocked the Knicks out, man. That, that's all that matters to me. Man. <laughs> Any, anything, anything bad happens to the Knicks is like Christmas for me. So I'm excited about. It. And I'm from New York, and I'm from New York, by the way, too. So yeah, you know, anything, anything. They gotta keep. They're gonna be cursed forever. They should have drafted my brother back in '99. So they're gonna pay for it forever, and, and right. until I don't know until when. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's so funny, man, when you hear about like uh, how families of, of of professional athletes get like these things towards certain uh uh franchises i was looking at their ken griffey jr um documentary and he was talking about how the the yankees mistreated ken griffey senior and mm. so because of that he was raised to hate the yankees so wow. his whole life he hated the yankees and still does because it was built into him. So it's like kind of like the same thing with you. It's like, oh, you're not going to draft Ron? How about this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Personal. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very personal, man. But this this draft, though, um, I, I guess it's interesting. There's it's no real stars in here. There's no franchise, you know, changing players or whatever, you know. Um, you know. I do like the OB topping guy, but I know the Bulls don't have no use for him. They won't, they won't, they won't need him in anything. He's deaf. He's not a um. He's not a three. He's a. He's just a four. You yeah. know. Um. I, I don't know. Yeah. 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 He's not a three. The Bulls. The Bulls definitely need that small forward position locked in and stuff. You know. And I really do like Obi Toppin. To me, he's like a mixture, a little bit of uh, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire kind of a mix. Yeah. And, uh, but um. Yeah. He's not. He's not a. He's not a real three. Yeah, he he from New York too, so you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I used to play. All, I used to hoop with his dad and stuff and everything. His dad is they, just same player. His dad was more athletic though, like seriously wow. more athletic. His wow. name was dad named Stretch. <laughs> wow, because Obi, because Obi's at Obi's pretty athletic. Yeah, he's really he's athletic and stuff. Yeah, he got, but Obi got athletic late though. He wasn't athletic in high school. Oh, he got okay. athletic real late, but now he's just so he was a monster this year. Freak, yeah, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, he's yeah, a monster yeah. this year. Yeah, man, it, it, it's something how uh, that happens because I remember uh, watching Michael Finley in uh, high school, and he played on the team. It was called the Three Amigos. Uh, it was him, Sherelle Ford, and this guy named Donnie Boyce. 
Okay. And at the time, Michael Finley was the worst player on this, was the worst of the three. Wow. So Donnie Boyce was number one, Sherelle Four was number two, and Michael Finley was number three. But mm. by the time they got to the league, Sherelle Ford was barely in the league. Donnie Boyce had a cup of coffee, and Michael Finley nearly had a Hall of Fame career, you know. Yeah. So it's like it's funny how that late development kind of works with guys sometimes. Hey, you think that's gonna work with the Ball brothers? Lonzo get in, Melo yeah. becomes a superstar, and then Jello just becomes like this goat. <laughs> uh, I he he wishes him and J. Cole wishes for the middle child, but, uh, but he's yeah, not man. that bad though. Like he's not that bad. I just man, he's a six foot five power forward. Oh, come on, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that's, the smoke, boy, that's, man. Come that's on, what man. he is, man. And he like I'm not he can't guard nobody, bro. Yeah. Yeah, if only if only if only he just lose a little bit of weight because he got the shot, he got the jump shot, man. He, he can, can shoot, shoot that thing. He can shoot it. He, he, you know what? He might be the best shooter of the three brothers. Oh, easily. Yeah, easily. you know, it's just that at six foot five with limited athleticism on an NBA level, I just don't know where he plays. Hmm. You know, I just don't know where he plays, and he can't handle. We can't put the ball on the floor, not in, not on that level. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, I don't know where he plays, man. I, I I root for him because, honestly, man, I kind of look at it at a, from a human level a lot. Like, a lot of people, they look at basketball players and they, they they think like they video game characters. I'm like, no, that's a real dude. Like, and I'm looking at the fact that he's the middle brother. His older brother is in the league doing well. His His younger brother is the biggest celebrity of them all. And everybody's talking about his 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 potential and all that your dad gets all this attention because he does everything he does and here you are in the middle mm-hmm. and positioned to be the least accomplished and i'm thinking about as a as a man that's gotta hurt you know sure, what I'm i went through it i know exactly how he's feeling you know what i'm saying like you know and, <laughs> and i'm looking at it from a human standpoint like you know yeah. so i'm rooting for him for that reason you know yeah 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 i know how he feels i got a brother that's in the nba and then i got a brother under me that's an um an accomplished attorney you know yeah. what i'm saying but yeah. I, I played overseas a little bit i had my little overseas thing and everything you know what i mean so i have fun i made my money yeah you know whatever i'm just i'm just chilling living living life and enjoying it but yeah i i know for sure that jello ball is definitely having those type of um those type of things um going on in his mind but they also um these people in the comments they was asking what's what you think is the best coach for the bulls though um i really i really think it's i mean Yudoka, man i really do man i just i just really like the progressive thought process from an offensive standpoint mm-hmm. uh, i think that's what this team needs this team needs to start to i i talked about earlier how uh, the Bulls organization just has a negative reputation in the league. You know, yeah. players don't players don't fool with them, you know. And if you start to look at these coaches, these guys that are hot candidates right now, these guys are guys who used to be in the league. I mean, Udoka played in the league. Yeah. So some of his perception of the Bulls uh, as an organization is, is off of what he had when he was a player. So mm. I'm just hoping that he takes the job if offered to him. Because so many people have a really have negative connotations with the Bulls as an organization. And that started with Mike and Scotty. You know what I mean? Like they left on bad terms, uh, didn't like management, you know, was meh about ownership. Mm-hmm. And 
that has continued. You know what I mean? Jimmy Butler has said stuff. Zach Levine had a problem with this coaching staff and this management, you know, so it just keeps going on. And, you know, like we had a couple turning points, right? I remember, I can't remember what summer this was, but it was when we really sucked after the, after the, uh, after the Jordan uh, dynasty. Um, we had Tracy McGrady, Grant Hill, and Tim Duncan all on a vid on a free agent visits. And they all came out and uh, they went to White Sox games and all this. And, and Tracy McGrady threw out the first pitch at, for the Chicago White Sox. And <laughs> he was locked on like he was going to sign. Yeah. And changed his mind at the last minute. <sighs> and it was just like, boom. And we ended up, I think we ended up with Ron Mercer. Oh, wow. Right. And, wow. It, you know, and then there was another time when they were recruiting Car uh, Carmelo. And and this was like, this was Derrick Rose, healthy Derrick Rose. Yep. And, you know, and they were recruiting Melo and Melo was about to say, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he said, no, I'm going to stay home. All they had and, to do was really with Melo was just clear the space up and give him the money. What it, no, they offered it to him, and he said, and he he said he chose to stay home. He said he regrets mm. that decision. He said he yeah. really did. He said he regrets it. He wished that he had came, and mm. you know. But those two things were very big turning points because yeah. those are the types of free agent signings that could have changed the bull narrative. Yeah, with with teams and mm. with players, and it yeah. didn't happen. So you know, the the crazy thing is like. You got to blame ownership, though, because ownership don't step in the way of this stuff. You know, even with, even during the Bulls championship years, like we was watching the last dance, and I'm thinking the whole time, like, what is going on with, with, with Mr. Reinsdorf? Right. You know why, is he let, like, why is he letting this go down like this? You chose Reins, You chose Jerry Krause over Jordan and Pippen. You're crazy. But the, but having said that, you know, being around the Bulls during my brother's years and stuff, um, Jerry Krause was a really nice man. <laughs> you know, like he was really he was really nice. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I, like Ron didn't have an issue with him. I didn't have an issue with him. And he, he, loved, he loved Ron. He let me use Birdo Center. I was 16 when, when I was out yeah. there. You know, he let me use Birdo Center. I had a five key and everything and go shoot around and work out in Birdo Center and everything. That was some good times. So I was surprised, like, how these stories of him came out, especially during the last dance. I was really surprised. And, you know, it was really sad that he didn't really get to um, – he's not allowed to, um, you know, defend himself and everything. Yeah, definitely, man. And, and I, honestly, I think – I'm going to be honest with you, like, I'm from I'm born and raised Chicago, South Side of Chicago. I okay. Grew, I grew up on Mike. I grew up on Mike. And and I said this to Craig, because Craig Hodges was on here earlier. I oh, said wow. I, I've always known that Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Mm -hmm. But I've also always known that he wasn't the nicest guy. Yeah. And so I'm literally watching the last dance and I'm saying to myself, I would have been Horace Grant. <laughs> I would have been Horace Grant. Me and Mike would have fought every day until they traded me because they would have been like, dude, Mike's better than you. You got to go. You can't be fighting Mike every day at practice because yeah. I'm telling you, it's no way in the world that personality type and me and him would have meshed. And no so I see that, right? And, and so when I'm looking at the last dance and I'm looking at, like, I really thought it was kind of really low class, honestly, to put this out like that after Jerry Krause was dead. Like, and I know yeah. Jerry Krause is the little fat guy who is fun to everybody to pick on him, but that's still like a human being. And and like Craig was talking about uh, earlier, he was like, you know, 
he was talking about the players that Mike kind of threw under the bus during the documentary. He was like, you know, these guys got their their grandkids and nieces and nephews sitting around watching this, and you're making these implications as if they're involved with all this negative stuff or saying this stuff about them. But what yeah. about Jerry Krause's family? You know mm. what I'm saying? You're saying all this stuff and his his grandkids and, and, and nieces and nephews and people are sitting up here watching like, dang. So they they you best believe they hate Mike right now. Mm-hmm. And with good reason. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because if you did a documentary and 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 talk like that about my father, bro, I wouldn't buy another pair of air nothings. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you I know. just thought Michael was petty with everything. Um, because you know, he had the footage. It was, it was him releasing all of this stuff. Oh, so absolutely. It's absolutely. his word right now against everybody else's and stuff. And um, I just thought that was really petty to to control the entire like I liked it, but I didn't like it because I wish it was more like open. Yeah, everybody, it was, you know? it was entertaining. It was entertaining, yeah, it was entertaining but, it wasn't, but it wasn't nice. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, it was it was entertaining, but it wasn't nice. Yeah, and you know, and I'm telling you, man, in Chicago, man, talking about talking, having anything critical to say about Michael Jordan, especially if you're talking to a crowd of people who are 30 and over, mm-hmm. it's almost like you said something about Jesus, man. It's like it's 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 it's, it's like that here. It's like that here, man. I'm like people, like I'm telling you, boy, you. If you say something about Mike up in here to some people who are 30 and over, mm-hmm. who you you know what it's almost like? You ever say something bad about somebody? You ever you ever had a critical comment about Tupac to 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 uh, a 30 or 35 yeah. 35 year old uh hip hop fan? My opinion on Tupac is this. He's he's um he he's good with the with the inspirational songs like Brenda had a baby, Dear Mama, all that stuff, but his lyrics is actually kind of trash when he's just rapping. Line for line, man. I, I've all you know what me and you, me and you, we were. I, I don't know. I think my last name might actually be our test, and I just didn't know about it because <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, man. I have never been. I, I like pop songs, and there are some yeah. pop stuff that I like for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I have never held him in the regard mm-hmm. that a lot of people in my in my generation hold. Like you talking about line for line, and you talk about Pac and Big Bro. It ain't even really no contest. Nobody never made you. Pac never made me go like this. Like when you listen to a song, you have oh, sh- what did he just say? Ooh. Never, not That's ever. Crazy. I never, not ever. I not never rewinded ever. a Pac lyric. I never took fifty. Uh, rewinded fifteen seconds. Like, yo, what did he say? That was fire. What did he say? Not ever. Never. never. Not, not ever. Now I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what I. You wanna. It, through the lights, cameras in action, glamour glitters and go. I unfold the scroll, plant seeds to stampede the globe. When I'm deceased, by then the beast will rise like yeast to carve a peace, leaving savages to roam in the streets. That yeah. makes me rewind. That's not nice. yeah. that makes me rewind. That's what I'm talking about. You, you might be an artist, but you know, I'm from, <laughs> you know, you know I'm, from, I'm from Queensbridge, just like Nas yeah. is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up, I grew up on that. You know, I grew up from yeah. Nas, you know, Mob Deep. Capone from Capone, Capone and Noriega is yeah, my yeah. first cousin on my dad's side. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Hip hop runs, hip hop runs through it, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not like trying to disrespect. No, no, no. Obviously, obviously. You know, but it's just like it's they're gonna be, they're gonna be it's mad. just something how it is, man. It's like like line for line, man. That ain't that. That's Pac is Pac is is a fantastic entertainer and presence mm-hmm. in hip hop and in overall and culture. But as an MC, line for line, I'm not like you know. I would I would say that he has maybe the, one of the greatest voices. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like Pac say something, and it could be really basic, but it sound like he just gave an overture. 
You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely always would give him that. But just lyrically, line for lines, people who sit down and write, yeah, man, like you said, he never, he never said nothing that I had to rewind several times. Mm. You know, yeah, just is. You see, you see, you see, our chat just went completely quiet. <laughs> quiet, they, man. They either clicked us off <laughs> or they are they have fallen out of their seats. <laughs> the, uh, I was just gonna say the, the Lori Markinen, the comments are getting pretty heated about Markinen, and somebody's saying he's trash. He's saying uh, he's you can't trade him at all. Like these are people are much more into Lori Markinen's much better for comments than, than Tupac. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no such thing as a trash NBA player. I mean, you may not like Laurie Marketing, but he's not. There's no such thing as a trash NBA player. Man, people don't. Prof, understand Profit the realist said that he wants to trade marketing for Bull Bull. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. If you wish, you wish. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, man. People crack me up. Man, I used to have a dude tell me, man. He's like, man, I'm telling you, man, I will beat Tim Legler in a in a in a one on one. I said, yeah, okay, you'll be who? I said, dude, if Tim Legler, if y'all play one on one, and Tim Legler gets first ball and y'all playing keeps you won't touch it yeah you won't touch it i'm like dude the worst dude in the nba is the best dude you ever seen in your life mm -hmm. exactly uh, one of my friends um gary forbes played in the nba for a little bit always was in the suit yeah you know, he come to new york and played in the toughest um like playing at um mci in chicago yeah. one of the toughest leagues in new york scored 82 points in it like yeah. went home like my brother's not a dominant scorer but he was routinely in new york scoring 40 50 60 70 points in the game like like it's like that man like yeah. it's different they don't you know like it's a different level it's levels to this and when they heat up their heating up is different you know i would heat up we'll hit like four or five in a row right they heat up they're hitting like 15 in a row and <laughs> right. rather sweat and then be like yo this is just practice for me today yo. i'm just i just wanted to work on something they'll use their their those games be like yo i'm going to work on my weakness today and then just drop 70 <laughs> on you like, it's embarrassing, man. But yeah, I gotta get out of here because my son, um, he wants some attention. You know, I got four of them kids, so yeah, you know, I, I got both. I got both too, bro. I got both boys, so yeah, I'm trying to build them up too as well. Um, but oh, you just need one more, bro. You got a squad. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You know what I'm saying? I'm working on it. I'm definitely working on it. Definitely. Yeah, I need sure. more kids. I'm one of ten, so we need yeah, yeah. we need more. We need more in this world. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the sound bite of the show right there. Yeah. We need more our tests in this world. <laughs> yeah, we need them all. We need to terrorize everybody and stuff, man. But you know, it's funny because Ron, Ron got two kids that play D1 basketball, one at CSUN and one at UC Irvine. They're not, they're opposite of him. Quiet, calm, chill, <laughs> everything like that. You know, you know, like um, uh, Ron Artest the third. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's like six, nine, six, eight or whatever, you know, and I'm um, Jerron Artest, you know, he's six, five point guard and, and everything. And, um, this is this so funny? Like Jerron likes to invest his money. He likes to, <laughs> he likes to mess, he messes with stocks and stuff like that. He, he invested in Amazon stock when he was like 10 years old, you know, like he's like that or whatever. He, make, he has a game, he has a game on app store, you know? And, um, Lil Ron, like he just, he just like driving Teslas and having fun and stuff like that, playing, just playing games. It's so, it's so weird when you see like, you know, Ron and then you see his kids and everything. And then, you know, his daughters and everything. His daughters like got their own record label and everything. It's just so funny, man. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's different. We don't hate Tupac. Somebody didn't say we tripping. Yeah, we don't man. hate Tupac. Ain't, ain't, ain't no hate at all, bro. It's just, yeah. Uh, hey, Common used to have a, uh, have a line. And and I and I'm not even gonna go to this extent, but if I don't like it, I don't like it. It don't mean that I'm hating. And yeah. and it's not that I don't like Pac. I do. It's just that just because I don't have him 
at my top two and three doesn't mean that I hate him. They, yeah. We live in this place right now where you either all the way on the left or all the way on the right. Nobody won't allow you to be nowhere near the middle. You know, there ain't no middle. Ain't no middle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know. Exactly, man. But thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate right, it. Man. Thanks. thanks for we'll, we'll wrap up here either. Brian, as promised, is going to text uh, Joe Biden and uh, Biden yeah. will be on after he delivers his speech. If, uh, if Brian, Brian, you know, no, we will, uh, we will be back. Um, we'll wrap up in a minute. Thanks to, uh, thanks to Daniel. Um, many thanks to Craig Hodges. Craig was in and out like seven times. Um, mm. while he was on, we talked basketball. We talked about activism. We'll try to have him back on, um, back in the show. Um, thanks to all the YouTube commenters, um, yeah. bulls draft stuff, whether the bulls should trade marketing, who the bulls <laughs> next coach be. Um, a couple, a couple, um, a couple of good programming notes here on the Bulls. We have two Bulls guests who are going to come up soon. Um, one is Michael Sweetney, um, and the other one who I think we're going to have next week is Jay Williams. So, um, Jay Williams, the newly anointed, among other hats, newly anointed um, top morning radio guy on ESPN. We'll talk about his new show. We'll keep talking about the Bulls. Um, Brian, thanks to you for coming on. Uh, we'll have you back here for sure among other places um brian any parting thoughts before we uh, wrap up uh well man you know i just want to say it was a pleasure to join you guys get an opportunity to uh chop it up with former neighbor even though i never actually had met him craig hodge even though he lived around the corner from me uh somebody is part of my uh childhood growing up watching the bulls and also getting the chance to to, to virtually meet my man dan here so uh you know what i'm saying so now uh when, when you when you see me pop up in 2k you could be like, yeah, I actually have had a conversation with that dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, it's all good. And I appreciate you being for uh, having me. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it again when you guys uh, have an opportunity. Yeah, so, so stay tuned. We'll follow up. Um, heavy on Bulls, heavy on Lakers. And, by the way, to everybody on the Lakers page, uh, Lakers looking pretty good here, up eight early. So, um, like, I, I, somebody tells me Lakers are not going to get swept in the first round. So, um, thanks to everybody for joining. Um, and we'll see you again soon. Um, follow the heavy YouTube channel, um, follow heavy on bulls on Facebook, heavy on Lakers on Facebook. Um, let's get a Twitter handle. So everybody has them, uh, at unique Mazik. Do I have that right for you, Brian? Yes, sir. And Daniel, where, where can people find you on Twitter? At Daniel Artest pod. At Daniel Artest pod. Okay. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll wrap it there. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you soon. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> 